Welcome to Pedro's List Podcast. This is episode one, and I want to talk about the age of the Enlightenment. Now wait, before you hit that turn off button, at least hear me out why I want to get into the Enlightenment. Can you give me a few seconds? Hello again, my name is Pedro and welcome to my podcast. I like to talk all things education, e-learning and online learning, a bit about history and sometimes a bit about sports coaching and how it applies to learning and training. Look, uh, I'm starting this podcast because I just came across an online slide presentation for high school students about the Enlightenment, which made it all to be about the accomplishments of the smart white men and taking place in France and England. This got me motivated to start this podcast, to talk about anything education and try to combine to try to combine it with history and to do my part to move education forward in a more, well, shall I say, enlightened direction. Let me get straight to the historical enlightenment movement, which is what I want to talk about in this podcast episode. Here's the thing. We are in post-2020. Are we still stuck on making the enlightenment only about taking place in France and started by these smart white guys that were anti a bunch of stuff and they were for a bunch of stuff like science, the rights of man, and property. Really? Is that myth or real history? To me, the Enlightenment movement is sold as being about some French white guys who wanted rationalism and pushed for the rights of man. But I'm thinking those that are doing the selling have some axe to grind. Years ago, I read a balanced account of the Enlightenment by Dorinda Outram, entitled The Enlightenment, where she wrote that it was all about, that it was not all about the white guys of France. It was a whole bunch more. Well, it's time to revisit the book. And here's why I like reading the book. She does not mythologize this Enlightenment period like so many other historians and writers and teachers have done before and since the move movement itself. Again, we are living in post-2020. And are we not doing a disservice to the learners of today by our unwillingness to give a balanced view of the Enlightenment? I mean, give the good with the bad. And there was a lot of bad. Here are my pet peeves about the portrayal of the Enlightenment, and it's all in Outram's book. First of all, what is the Enlightenment? What is the definition of the Enlightenment? Okay, okay here it's not as easy to say as, as somebody would think. Even in the 18th century itself, the meaning of the Enlightenment was different in France, in Italy, and in German states, in England and in Scotland, just to name a few of the European places. Kant, the Prussian thinker that the Enlightenment has symbolically emblematized with his famous saying that man must use his intellect of reason to emerge out of a self-imposed immaturity, had one feeling, one idea, but there were others, the German thinkers or the other German thinkers thought of the Enlightenment as more of a process to educate the lower classes. And there's the small thing how the Enlightenment has been studied by scholars, which has also changed through time. 
In the 60s, scholars thought of the Enlightenment as being one that was hostile to religion. But wait, in the 70s, scholars came up with a new idea, and that was that the interpretations were more focused on the social world, nothing about the famous white guys that we hear about today. And that's just it. Today, it's all still portrayed as a movement of philosophy by elite French thinkers like Voltaire and Rousseau. Why is that? Another historian, Robert Darton, has shattered that idea a long time ago with his research that proved that the majority of the books written in the 18th century were actually produced by professional writers, the so-called Grub Street writers. No elites here, or the famous French philosophes, I almost said philosophers. Travel books were just one of the specializations of these Grub Street writers, and this was because this insatiable appetite to understand the fascinating global world and the new exotic cultures that appeared fantasy-like. And, and that's it right there. The Enlightenment was a global phenomenon, not just a French or English-European one. Global travel and global trade, in the end, have escaped those that want to talk and write about the Enlightenment as being about these French, French guys. The good news is there is a newfound emphasis on talking about the Enlightenment that is global, with historians like Jorge Canizares Esguera, and even another historian, Richard Groves, with his work on demonstrating that there was an international exchange of information on deforestation, botany, and agriculture, for example, just, just one uh, global phenomenon. There is the dark side of the Enlightenment uh, that Altram wants us to think about. And this is that these writers that championed champion the rights of man and equality for all were slave owners and promoters of slavery. So how do we scrub one part of the Enlightenment to emphasize another? Sure, the Enlightenment thinkers understood that slavery was wrong, but they explained it away as a phenomenon that always existed even during biblical times. Hmm. Of course, I'm talking about slave owners in the Americas who were Enlightenment uh, advanced thinkers, if we can call it that way. These writers said unapologetically that scientifically slaves were of a different race and, this had, and they had characteristics that were naturally fitted for slavery. Is this the Enlightenment? And here's another Enlightenment factoid that you have not heard about. And that is the Enlightenment scientists of the time had reviewed the skeletal remains of males and females and had concluded that there was a brain size difference between the sexes, which meant that the female species had smaller brains in comparison to men, in which, as a result, according to them, the females were of a different morphology than men. And, and more, they said, women were ideally suited because of this, to provide comfort to children and men, and they were not capable of rationality. Hang on. We are talking about the Enlightenment, the scientific revolution. Is this an advanced science? Is this not part of the scientific revolution? Don't get me started on the scientific revolution, because that's another topic for another episode. Of course, we've heard about the writer Meli 
uh, Wollstonecraft, who challenged these notions of brain size. And she went after writers like Rousseau, who um, actually promoted these concepts. And when we hear about Wollstonecraft today, it's in the vein that she fought for the rights of women, not really that she was going after these great Enlightenment writers that were anti-women. So is this the Enlightenment with great rationality and the scientific revolution? Here's my concluding point. Don't teach the Enlightenment like it's this universalist movement, as Outram says in her book, when it's repressive because it could not find a place for women and those of lower social classes and other races. The Enlightenment is contradic contradictory, and it must be taught that way too. 